love that song, Ever Be. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But you know, it is a pretty compelling word. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be. First thing in the morning. <laughs> Last thing at night. And every moment in between. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not part of the message, but yet it is. Because everything, everything is connected. Everything is connected. And I know this, you know, I can look around and say, Lord, like, is this the word for these people? But you know what? He wouldn't have had me prepared if it wasn't. <laughs> And in the natural mind, we might look and say, these guys don't need this word. But you know what? That goes along with part of what's going to come out in this message. There is some love the Lord wants to share with us. Sometimes love can be correction. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be correction. I'm just saying sometimes love is correction. Sometimes love's a hug and kisses. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> Hugs and kicks. You know, we live in some very, very, very interesting times. I don't think I need to tell that, everybody. I think it's pretty much an obvious thing. We've had some very interesting weeks, months, now years, with opportunities and challenges like we haven't seen before in our lifetime. And prayerfully, once we've learned our lesson, we'll never see them again. <laughs> and I'm not saying that these challenging times are here for us to learn a lesson, but I am saying that there is a lesson that we can learn from everything. We have a great number of choices that we can make every single day. And unless you're way more spiritual than I am, there are times when we make the wrong choices, sometimes more frequently than we would like to think. But I've got a couple of questions to start with. Again, thinking back on the even even on the on the lyrics, my pray, your praise will ever be on my lips. When you listen to conversations on the TV, on the radio or the news, at the water cooler at work, in the lunchroom, across from the dining room table, or on the other side of the living room chairs, there's lots of stuff that's being said. Is praise ever on your lips? <laughs> or is praise never on your lips? Except for when you grace the doors of the church or when you realize that you were somewhere saying something you shouldn't have said. Just a question. No, no accusations. There are lots of things... And lots of battle, battles happening around us. I think I spent a little bit of time last time talking about, you know, pick your battles. There is a battle daily. There's a battle going on in the world. There's a battle going on in the spirit. 
Remember, if you hear nothing else tonight, please, 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 and all those friends, family, and brothers and sisters we haven't met yet watching by live stream or YouTube or any other form of media as it goes forth, remember that God loves you. He loves you unconditionally, without a doubt, that we have a real enemy who is a devil. He wants nothing more than to destroy you, and he will do everything in his power to do so. He is not victorious, despite what he may tell you, but he will try. I have a day, if I could tell you everything that happened today, I have had a day that will prove that the devil is real. So I've got a word that he did not want me to share. But guess what? I'm going to share. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember that. Remember that. It's not flesh and blood. It may be manifesting via flesh and blood, but it is not flesh and blood. No matter what is said, no matter what is done, remember, where is our battle? It is in the spirit. It is not against the eyes and ears and hands and faces in front of you. That one can be a tough one to grab a hold of. Because in the natural, we see it, we feel it, we touch it, we can smell its breath. But it's not flesh and blood. Wow, how did we get off there already? <laughs> Romans 12, if you will, please. Romans 12. We're going to start in verse 1. I will be reading in the New Living Translation, as I typically do. It'll come up on the screen. You can read whatever translation you have on your laps, because we go to a real church here where people actually bring their Bibles and actually know how to use them. You know, it still amazes me how many people go to church and don't even have a Bible and where the Bible's not even read from. Right now, at this particular day and hour, I drove by at least a dozen churches today, and they all had the same sign out front saying, online service only. No gathering together at all. And it's been that way for weeks, if not months. Forsake not the fellowship shipping together one with another is what the Word commissions us to do. Now, I know that there are some gathering limits. I know there are some obstacles in our way, and we don't have to be rebellious citizens, but we can gather. There are ways to... And see how easy it can get. You know, there's lots of things I could say. I have lots of opinions. I got something to say about that too. Don't get ahead of myself. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. 
This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. We are supposed to be in the world, but not of it. We are then not conformed to the world, but rather transformed. <laughs> so how are we doing with that so far? I want to preface everything else that I'm about to say with this. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So, time to introduce the message. Judge not. Well, doesn't that just roll off the tongue? I believe this is one of those things that's easier telt than felt. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where we're not compared to anyone else? One where you're not valued or measured by the extent of your success or apparent failures or shortcomings. A world where people are not even thinking about or even looking for or trying to determine the extent of your obedience or disobedience. There's a bunch of things that goes on, and every day we're faced with challenges. We're dealing with, we hear so much in the, in the media that we as a people, not just we as a church, but we as human beings, have set ourselves up to always be looking at other people. And we have our preconceived ideas and biases as to what we see when we look at someone. It was interesting on the way in, <coughs> pardon me, tonight, there was a, a, um, a para-athlete from Australia, and he was, he was saying that, you know, people look at you different. He happens to be in a wheelchair. He's never not been in a wheelchair. He had uh, spinal surgery when he was like days old, and he has never walked. He's been in his wheelchair, but he's a Paralympian. He's a world champion Paralympian. And he's grateful for the life that he's lived. And he said, the exhortation I have is not for the people. And he was at a speech for an award he was given. He said, the exhortation I have is not for other people that are disabled, but it's for those that are not. Don't look at what you perceive to be someone else's limitations. Mm -hmm. I saw a thing, most of you know that I'm into cycling. Uh, maybe not as much as I was before, but I am getting back into it. 
Um, and uh, I, saw, I saw a clip the other day of an athlete on a bike that had one leg and one arm. And the caption was, don't tell me it can't be done. <laughs> See, we have a tendency to naturally judge. We prejudge. Hence the term prejudice. You know, we're prejudging this, right? We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And what makes us think that just because our skin tone is a little bit different or our body shape is a little bit different or our appendages are different because we have more or less or changes or because we don't have an IQ of 310 or because we don't have a university degree or degrees or we don't have more letters after our name than the alphabet. Why is it that we tend to judge people's value or judge their capabilities by what we see? That is not God's way of doing things. We know that God looks at the heart. Right? In this day of challenges, right, we know that everybody has an opinion. Some people is like noses. Everybody's got at least one. Sometimes it's like years. They have two. And just because they have one, or just because you have one, or just because I have one, doesn't mean I need to share it. I have lots of opinions about what's going on. And it really, at the end of the day, does not matter a hoot. <laughs> what my opinion is. My commission is this. What does God say? What does the Word say? If what you're talking is not the Word, we should probably not be talking. Just saying. Because when we're opening our mouth with something other than what the Bible tells us or what the Spirit is prompting us to say, we are probably not exhorting, edifying, encouraging, or teaching. So, you don't have to answer this out loud anyway. Who else besides God and you knows what he's commanded you to do? Who else besides you and God knows what you are or have been going through? What about trusted mentors or advisors or your elders or your pastors? Do they know what you're going through? And I'll say this, this is a little add-on, only to the extent that you share with them and or the Lord shares with them. Do we give them, that's those people, our mentors, our elders, our leaders, our pastors, do we give them any room to help us, 
to lead us, guide us, or correct us. See, in order for that to happen, we have to be in a place where we're not easily offended. And how many know there's lots of offense going around these days? In order for that to happen, we need to trust the people in positions in our lives. And if we do not, we probably have the wrong people in the positions of our lives. Because if you can't trust the people that are in leaders, and now make this clear, I'm not talking necessarily about governmental leaders, okay? So let's pull that out of the picture for a moment. We'll get to them in a minute, because they have a part to play too, like it or not. Which, by the way, if not, do something about it. And that doesn't necessarily mean stand on the roadside with a picket sign. Just saying. You want to change the way the country's run? Go change it. Run. Get voted. Get elected. Make a change. Make a difference. If not, get up. We can make a, we can make a change. We can make a difference. We can make a difference in prayer. We can make a difference in the way that we live our lives. We can speak to those in authority. But for the moment, let's just backtrack. Pull it back, John. Pull it back. Pull it back. The people in our lives are responsible to be good stewards for the giftings that they have been given and the responsibilities of the people that they have been charge over. We know that pastors have the responsibility of the church. They have to give account. Teachers... Speakers have to give an account for every word that's said. I challenge you, we all have to give an account for every word that's said. We need to administer our gifts with love. You can correct somebody, and you can do it harshly, or you can do it kindly. We can speak to somebody and give a message and deliver it with such acid that it burns, scorches, and leaves marks. Or we can do it with such love that it doesn't feel like a rebuke at all. It is a correction. And all of a sudden, you can open your mind and your understanding to it and receive it with love in which it was attended to improve you, to help you, to make you better, to make you stronger. We are not here to judge one another. We'll get to that in more detail here in a minute. Let me ask you this. You can answer this one out loud. Does being corrected feel good? Usually it sucks. Does being challenged feel good? It might, right? 
If you're called to challenge, if you're challenged to um, explain or justify your position, are you receiving that challenge with grace and love to realize the fact that somebody might be trying to draw some understanding from your viewpoint as opposed to just challenging because they think you're wrong? Do we jump to the conclusion that because somebody is saying something or asking us that they're automatically contrary-minded? What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> See, confrontation doesn't feel good. We, we tend, again, we, me, right? I'll just say me. It tend to get defensive the moment that we're challenged or confronted. We feel that we need to have to justify our position. And sometimes, it, 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 because of the nature of man, we will do so at the expense of someone else. Knee-jerk reactions. We react as opposed to respond. We often will do so and regret it later. But if you look for a minute, you know, we're talking about spiritual things, but if you look for a minute in the natural, how do you learn? That's one way. Repetition for those that might not have heard on the mic. Correction. Correction. I can say this. I've learned the most by doing things wrong. <laughs> you make mistakes. You know, how does a baby learn to walk? They spend a lot of time on their knees, falling. How do you learn to ski? You spend a lot of time in the snow. <laughs> you know, sometimes we look at things that happen and the outcomes of our choices and possibly poor choices and the mistakes, realizing that there are consequences. You know, in, in when we're younger, you know, it's grades, you know, the bad grades, or at least they used to give bad grades. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's an injury. You mentioned Pastor Nancy about skiing. Sometimes when learning to ski, a mistake can cause a break. <laughs> Sometimes things get damaged. How many times have student drivers learned the hard way by banging into something, putting it in the wrong gear and thinking they're backing up and driving forward or thinking they're going forward and backing up and, you know, think they have enough room to get through the garage door and take off the mirror? I don't have to be a new driver to do that, by the way. <laughs> See, some things, some things are, are, are um, altogether minor, menial, trivial, but some things are pretty significant. And when we're talking about life and death, that becomes a lot more significant. When we're talking about eternal life, I would venture to say that that becomes of paramount importance. Yet for most of the world around us, they treat it as being totally and completely insignificant. They have no understanding of the consequences. And we're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be swayed the same way. 
So I asked the question again, and can I come back to a little, a little bit. What are you called or chosen to do? This is a broad question, and I'm not looking for an answer. This is for you alone. And how are you doing with it? Again, remember, the title of the message is Judge Not. Because I'm, I'm speaking it in the context of, well, the Lord goes on to explain this. I'll, I'll come back to this. And talk about mistakes for a minute. Because mistakes can be a defining point for a lot of people. Mistakes don't define who you are. Failures don't define who you are. Success doesn't define who you are. It doesn't affect your value, and it doesn't affect your worth. Especially not to God. He knew you before you knew you. He knows the end from the beginning, and he has predestined each and every one of us for a specific purpose. And the purpose is for good and not for bad. We will reign with him. But success is not the absence of failure, but rather the persistence and the perseverance to press on and to get up when we fall down. Ultimately, success is not giving up or quitting. And contrary to social, social norms these days, the absence of a medal, a prize, a trophy, or degree doesn't mean failure. It simply may mean that you haven't attained the desired result yet. It doesn't mean it's over. So how about these qu quotes from Thomas Edison? One, the first one in relation to the light bulb. Is, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 <laughs> options that don't work. 10,000. Think about that for a minute. That's not one or two. That's not a few hours tinkering in the workshop. 10,000 ways a light bulb didn't work. Many of life's failures, this is another quote, many of life's failures are people who do not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Come on, next. He says, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. We've heard that. It's Thomas Edison. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to try just one more time. Again, Thomas Edison, still. The three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are first, hard work, second, stick to and third, common sense. When you've exhausted all possibilities, remember this, you haven't. Negative results are just what I want. They're just as valuable to me as positive results. I can never find the thing that does the job best until I find the ones that don't. How's that for an outlook, eh? I wonder, I wonder which one of the 10,000 tries that came out of. <laughs> 
To invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. <laughs> I mean, some of these are pretty relatable, eh? Everything, everything, I love this one. Everything comes to him who hustles while he waits. <laughs> and the, la the last one. Failure is really a matter of conceit. People don't work hard because in their conceit, they imagine they'll succeed without ever making an effort. Most people believe that they'll wake up someday and find themselves rich. Actually, they got it half right because eventually they do wake up. <laughs> so again, when I talk about judge not, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about judgment uh, as standing against um, social norms or moral law or civil law. For the purpose of this message, I'm talking about any kind of judgment against another. So let's look at the word judgment or judging for a minute. It is a noun. It is an act or instance of judging. Well, profound. Thanks, dictionary.com. The ability to judge to make a decision or form an opinion objectively, authoritatively, and wisely, especially in matters affecting action, good sense. The demonstration or exercise of such ability or capacity. It's, here's the, the, the one that I was wanting to get to. The forming of an opinion, an estimate, notion, or conclusion as from circumstances presented to mind. In other words, we're looking at things and we're already making a decision. How many times, okay, as a hiring manager, which I hate, by the way, when I was a hiring manager, I hated that position. Because what do you have to do? You have to make judgments based on what you read and what you see. You get only a snapshot of the life of somebody in the few minutes that you either read their resume or CV or, or in the interview by phone or in person. You get just a glimpse of who they are. And you have to make a judgment as to whether or not they're the right person. That's a lot of pressure on both ends. Because that person has to try to make a good impression Right? And you have to discern, are they being real or are they just putting on the face? Let's get back to the word, because the word's where it's at. The word is most important. And I'm, again, not going to get through. Glory to God. Superabundance. Matthew chapter 7, if you will, please. Verse 7. Word. Not me. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. Verse 3. I'm sorry. I said, said 7, 7. It's 7, 1. Do not judge others. So again, picking up verse 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log on your own. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? 
Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and turn and attack you. Luke 6. Luke, pardon me. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and they will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. There is a whole lot of that going on with everybody sharing their thoughts about what needs to be done, what should be done, what shouldn't be done, who should be doing what and who shouldn't be doing what, and how come you didn't? Or how come you did? <laughs> Who do we think we are asking that question? Now, we're put sometimes in a very difficult position because some employers are actually requiring their employees to ask that very thing. Are you vaccinated? Have you had COVID? Do you have COVID? But we're not talking about today. Right? We're talking about judging others, judging their character, judging their ability, judging their placement. We're not supposed to do that. What we are supposed to do is obey the Word of God. Obey the leading of the Spirit of God. Apply the discernment of God. And let the gifts of wisdom and knowledge flow. That we can help impart, not drive and force, impart. Some people don't do something because they don't know about it. How do they not know about it? Because they haven't been told. Or they haven't found where it's written. And just because they don't agree with you doesn't mean that we have to take a place of superiority or a view of superiority or look at them as being inferior. Right? Because we are all children of God. We are all children of the Father. Some are embryonic. 
Some are geriatric. And there's a whole bunch of us in between. We don't know where we are most of the time to even think about where you might be. It's not my place to judge where you are. My place is to judge as am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I've been called to do? When I got up this morning, what ended up happening today was not on my agenda at all. (laughs) Not a thought, not a clue in the world that that was going to go the way it did. So every day we have an opportunity to walk out the path that is laid before us and to do so as an ambassador of God, not a citizen of this world. We have lots of opportunities to take offense, offer offense, and give offense, and we shouldn't take any of them. So we could read the story, but we're not going to, of the woman caught in adultery. Because pretty much everybody, I think, in the sound of my voice knows about it. I'm going to skip down. In in John 8... Of course, it starts in, in, uh, in uh, verse 1, but I'm going to jump, jump down to uh, uh, verse 9. And it says, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. I guess we should go back to what they heard. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with only the woman. Then Jesus stood up and Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. <laughs> so how are we doing? We doing all right? Are we learning? Are we growing? When the juice is, when, when, you, when you're squeezed, what's coming out for juice? <laughs> what juice is coming out? Proverbs 12, 12 1 and 3 says, to learn, you must love discipline. (laughs) Thanks, Solomon. (laughs) It is stupid to hate correction. I didn't write this. I'm just reading what is in this. Not me. (laughs) The Lord approves of those who are good, but he condemns those who plan wickedness. Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. There's a whole bunch of Proverbs. I don't have time to... to, to. I'll uh, do another one. Proverbs 15, verses 31 to 33. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you will only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. So I say this, 
particularly to the church, the church, not just this church. It's time to grow up. The church needs to rise up and be the standard we are called to be. And that's not judging one another by puffing yourself up because you think you're better or further along the way than someone else. Or to criticize just because we talk about discipline and correction here doesn't necessarily mean you're the one empowered to bring forth that correction. There are gifts. The gifts are called pastors. How many times do we get led, taught, directed, amazing, powerful truths, and someone gets rubbed the wrong way? And instead of challenging it and saying, hmm, is that really what I'm doing? I don't necessarily agree. Lord, is this what I'm doing? Instead, people are offended and leave. Sometimes it seems like pastor's message, and whether it's our pastor's, whether or not it's another minister, sounds like they're talking directly to us. It's like they were listening to the conversation in the car. Well, how dare they say that in front of the church? Well, nobody else knows except for you. See, we need to be concentrating on our Second uh, uh, Corinthians 13 and 5 says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourself, I hope you will recognize, this is verse 6, that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. He goes on to talk about apostolic authority and actually correcting and if you read what Paul's writing, he, he's saying, you know, I don't want to have to deal with you severely. So, so, so don't, be in a, don't be so hard-hearted. Don't be so headstrong. Don't be so stubborn. Don't be so opinionated that you cannot afford to take correction, direction, be led. We are living in perilous times. And I'm not talking about what's going on in the virus around us. I'm talking about in the spirit. Because there is a real enemy. I mentioned it earlier. And his purpose is to get us off track. If he can get us divided, he can get us to the point where we're agitated, frustrated, so offended that we get up and walk away. Have a look around. Where is everybody? And I'm not just talking here. There are people here. For those of you by, by live stream and video, there are people here. And I know there are reasons why some of you aren't, and that's okay too. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm challenging you, right? There are, this is a critical, absolutely <laughs> paramount time in the life of the church. It's going to be, we're going to look back on this, and it is a dividing line. Are we going to be the resurrected church and see a point of transition from this day forward? Are we going to end up being an, an, 
a dead organization instead of a living organism that makes a change in the world. If a virus can multiply and spread, guess what? The word is powerful. It creates and it destroys. What are we saying? How are we dealing with it? You know, sometimes it seems so, so, so basic to have to say it, but why is it that some of us can't be nice to one another? Right. <laughs> Just be nice. Be kind. There is so much stuff out there. People are so prickly. And it's like, really? Right? And, and our response to that should be overwhelming joy and abundance of peace that just exudes off them that disarms that prickly armor. Yeah. Say to somebody that just miserable to the guy in front of you, right? Well, bless your heart. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. Glory to God. <laughs> God is good. Just a couple more verses and I'll try to bring this home. I'm so far away from the thank you, Lord. You lead, you guide and you bring out what's important. <laughs> it's important to say, so I'm going to say it. 2 Timothy 2, 23 and on. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap." for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. That's a pretty powerful exhortation. That's probably a good place to stop. Again, I love you guys. We Thank you, Lord, that you teach us and you heal us. <laughs> there is so much, so much we can learn from every opportunity if we only open our eyes, if we open our hearts to receive it. There's scriptures and we talk about how easily it will be in the last days for those to be deceived. Even the elect. God is not mocked. We also have to be mindful, and I will close with this. We also have to be mindful 
that there are things that pertain to our spiritual well-being, and there's the realities of the world in which we live. Our spiritual well-being deals with our here and now, but also deals with the thereafter. We also have a physical world of which we are a part of. Don't confuse physical battles with spiritual ones. Just because something is going on around us that we don't like doesn't mean it's an attack on the church or attack on what you believe. There are things going on that we, you know, uh, we're all dealing with it, right? We'll all be glad when it's all over. But what? What happens? You know, we, we, have, we have read in the Bible different times, different places. This may be new to us. Some of this stuff is not unprecedented. No. Make sure you find yourself on the right side. And there's only one side, his. Yep. Right? Don't be on the wrong side of the argument. <laughs> <laughs> Right? And what is God's, what is God? Love. If what you're feeling ain't love towards another, you ain't feeling right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. And I do pray that. The word goes forth and accomplishes that which you set it forth to do, and that will change lives. It will quicken hearts. You will quicken our understanding. And even as I spoke it, the word speaks to me. We're not there yet because we're not with you yet. Yet you are within us. You are teaching us. You are leading us and guiding us in your ways. We thank you that as we go forth, we take your spirit with us. We take your word with us. We take your love with us. We let your line shine, your light and life shine through us. Let us not be dissuaded by the circumstances we see or hear or feel around us, but let your glory be manifest in and around and through us. Let us be those vessels that you have empowered us and equipped us and called us to be. Thank you that we can be that life-changing influence, that we can be your word written in flesh to those around us, not beating them over the head with the word, but loving them into the kingdom. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.